I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter, where you use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element, where I highlight Fifth Element hip hop knowledge. Big L Pigs. Sticky digits. help DJ Premier and give him that sound clip to see if I've got it on point and see if he uh, respects that because that's where it comes from. <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. I, was, I remember like uh, when, I, when I first um, when I first heard that like uh, obviously listening back to everything uh, I was just like damn it took me back uh, like uh, was it last year? Yeah like last year um, when I went to Cops of Rap and like DJ Premier just like played that over scratches. And it was so good. It was, it was, it was so good. Just so, much, so many good memories. Like just that's just big respect. Like having a legendary DJ. Just every time he goes, he does a show, he's guaranteed to play full clip. And at the start of that song, he's just gonna go big L, psh, psh, big L. That's no, it's boss. It's, it's it's great. I agree. It's great. I agree. Love it. Love it. Everything about it. Hi Ben. How's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? Hello, Charlie. Uh, week has been... Actually, I got tested for COVID on Saturday because I had a sore throat and I thought I should go get tested just in case and I uh, don't have it. But that self-isolation for a couple of days was... Uh, it was rough, man. I'm not a big fan of, of the isolation. So I'm glad I don't have it. Uh, but that was that was a bit scary. But apart from that, week's, week's been all right. Listen listened to it quite a lot this week. I didn't expect to. I didn't expect to come here and talk about a lot, but I ended up talking about a lot. So best for best to worst, as always, uh, Wale, The Imperfect Storm, an EP came out. And look, man, I just love Wale. Oh, sure. I fucking love Wale. I love his energy, his vibe, his emotion, his passion, and the aesthetic that he's giving to projects these days. He, I just think he just gets better in time. And this EP was really funny because it had me furrowing my brow whilst I bopped my head because the lyrical content is really deep, but there's some great southern summer rhythms on this. Like, I just enjoyed it. I, I really go back to his last album as well a lot. Uh, wow, that's great, or whatever it was called. I don't even remember what it was called, but I just... I can't stop going back to it. It's just a great chill. They're always great chill vibes. So I, I don't think Wally has missed in a long time. And uh, if you haven't listened to this, go check it out because I think it's a very vital piece of music. Uh, Charlie put me on to The Godfather 3 by Wiley. And I've been waiting for this for like a month. And uh, it's my second favorite album of the week. I never really feel like Wiley gives a fuck what people think about him anymore. He just... He, he tells the listener about his pedigree and his influence and his history sometimes. And, you know, the title is Godfather 3. So he's fully aware of his place in the game. But it just feels like he just does whatever he wants. Like, he'll drop a song like Bars, which is just straight spitting for two and a half minutes. And then he puts Family on the next track, which is dubstep. It, it just makes for a really wild listen. It's great in the gym. And I don't think I've heard such varied and energetic production on a project in a really long time. And 63 minutes is crazy. That's a long time to keep that energy up. So I really like this project. I think the beats are slaps. And uh, Wiley is very skillful on the mic. Like he makes your head spin around 
when uh, he gets into his bag. So that I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, Mayhem Loren, Glass 2.0. These are offcuts from Mayhem's project with Harry Fraud, which is Glass, which dropped in 2018, which is a bit weird because he's dropped three projects since then, but I guess nothing's happening at the moment, so just throw these out here. I discovered Mayhem Loren via Fuck That's Delicious with Action Bronson, which if you've never seen that show, I would recommend go checking it out. It's Action Bronson, Alchemist, and Mayhem Loren, and Big Body Bess just running around the world just eating crazy shit. It's, uh, it's a great show. Love that show. It's a great show. Uh, I love it. Mayhem Loren is like this silver-tongued New York MC, and he just, oh, man, you listen to his music, it's just New York. It's it's like the history of New York. He raps on one song, uh, don't try to pop at the top of the totem because you're going to fuck around and get shot through the scrotum. He just says like these wild lines. And uh, I, I just love him. I love him. Um, I think the, the Harry Fraud production on this is good, but I think these are definitely the offcuts. Like I don't think Mayhem Loren misses a beat ever. I don't think he's ever dropped a mid verse i don't think he he does he just he's just interesting he's an interesting character but the the production is maybe not the best it's not top tier harry fraud so that's probably why i would only give this like a 7.5 but still great project uh t grizzly the smartest i was actually going to come on here and say this album let me down Mm. but on second listen i was in a much better headspace and it made a lot more sense because, you know, I have really high expectations of T Grizzly. I think he's leading the scene that most intrigues me in rap right now, which is the Michigan sound, like Sada Baby, Rio de Young OG, Vs. It's like urgent piano-based songs. I talk about it every fucking week on here. Like, even though we're talking... Like, we might be talking about Warren G, and I'll somehow manage to talk about Michigan. I don't know how that even happens, but it does. But they have, like, dark lyrical content, vivid storytelling... And I expected the smartest would be the pinnacle of this because I see T Grizzly at the top of that tree. I think he's probably the best purveyor of that sound at the moment. But it isn't. You know, it's it's not mid, but it's not what I was expecting. But it's a very solid project. You know, T is potent. He's open and honest. Uh, on a, I apologize. It's like his verses are like chapters in a book that you feel may never end. It's just it just keeps going, you know. He's got stories and stories and stories, and uh, he he's never outshone by a guest. Uh, even Big Sean, Meek Mill, little baby on here. I actually liked the Big Sean verse, uh, but he got washed by T because I think he 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 really smashed that verse. It's a great project. I would definitely recommend people check that one out. Tiana Taylor, the album. Oh man, seventy seven minutes. That's it's, it. Feels excessive. I guess it had to be an event record with an, a, a title like The Album. And we all know <laughs> yeah. Tiana was pretty pissed off at her seven-song EP in 2018 at the hands of the venerable Mr. West. Uh, I think so she's, every, every person listening to that would feel the same way, to be this honest. Is, but, this is yeah. pushback. This is pushback, man. This is pushback. 77 minutes. I love Tiana. So if you want to drop a 23-song project, get your shit off. Fuck it. Why not? Um, just please stop getting Rick Ross on things. I feel like Rick Ross. <laughs> I feel like Rick Ross is music industry welfare right now. Like a certain yes. quota of popping artists have to put him on their project per month. Why? Can we not? 
hear Maybach music. Every time I hear it, I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, dear. I was like, not again. Not again. But apart from that, man, uh, Tiana sounds really confident and assured and focused. It's a very sensual album. It's a mood-driven listen. So if you hit the right energy, this will open up and complement that energy perfectly except for Big Sean. Fuck, Big Sean is like an elephant on rollerblades over these sensual attracts. Like, he has no subtlety, <laughs> he comes in way too hot, and he holds no material value outside of just laughing at him. I could have Googled generic relationship tropes and I would have Big Sean's verse. I love you, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just like... Oh, come on, man. Can you just stop? You're not good at this. This is not your area of expertise, Big Sean. Please stay away from these relationship songs. But, yeah, man, this is a good album. This is a good album. If you can sit through it, it's a good album. Uh, Kiera Love, Take It or Leave It. I won't get too deeply into this, but this is a really good project. Kiera Love sounds confident, focused. She doesn't sound rigid. She has versatility to experiment with singing. She does a lot of her own hooks. And she hasn't defaulted to that female rapper slash singer trope of just going either ultra sugar pop or total R&B to try and grab that crossover bass. It's like she just wants to stick to hip hop and then fuse those elements into her singing. And I really respect that. I think it was a good project. Uh, GRM Daily, GRM 10. Um, That was good, man. That was a good project. I don't think there's anything on here that would make me go check out these artists individually. But uh, for for a compilation project or a project with a bunch of different rappers, it actually flowed really well, uh, even though it's quite a diverse listen. So that was good. And finally, <laughs> Black Eyed Peas, Translation. I won't say a thing about this release, except just go listen to it and remember it was me who sent you there. And just sit with that. Just sit with that. <laughs> and whatever reaction you have is your reaction. I'll just leave it at that. What about yourself, Charlie? What'd you listen to this what week? What kind of shit is that? I'm just saying it. <laughs> what the fuck? Go listen to it, bro. Go listen to it and think about what I just said. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, I like I I'm 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 I don't know, like I feel like we need to do an episode on Black Eyed Peas one day because like I find their two thousand work like like as it hasn't aged well, but I'm really Where nostalgic about it. Like from the end Where backwards, like it's just, there's so many classic tunes on there, like everywhere. But oh, bro, like, there's I'm something bee, about I'm them now. Bee, it's just, I'm oh, a, just I'm makes a me bee, makes bee, my uh, makes me itch. I don't know, but yeah, oh, fuck it. I'm a bee, I don't know. Um, it's like, this is one of the most interesting weeks we've had so far this year because like, um, stop singing Black Eyed Peas. Sorry, stop being distracted. Um, this is one of the most uh, interesting weeks we've had. Because uh, like we both listened to a, a, a litany of uh, of uh, albums and EPs this week, but um, there's not much crossover in terms of our list. It's kind of interesting. Um, I need to pee that while actually. I, I I didn't even clock that to be honest. Like, nobody put me onto that. That's so good. I want to give that a spin and uh, yeah. But anyway, I pass that and um, start with uh, Xander uh, Dreams. Little uh, Chihuahua PP right here. 
Um, oh, I've, I've put it as an album. I think it's an album, actually. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, I think it's like 35 minutes an hour, uh, 35 minutes to 40 minutes, something like that, um, in that area. It's very uh, spacey, got a bit like a lot of sci-fi elements. There's a lot of uh, there's, a, there's some like eight-bit gaming elements as well sometimes in particular tracks. But it's a very, I, I took a walk to it, uh, delivered the package, went to the post office to it, and it's um it's a solid listen. So uh, yeah, man, if you go for a walk and some something like that, you need some chill hop in your life, go for that. Sound of dreams, shout out. Sky Zoo's Milestones, a wee P mm. from Sky Zoo. Uh, he's two for two this year. Trust yeah. me on that. Cause, solid uh, this list, one. Yes. So, oh, this is going to be a hard decision now because uh, now I have to pick between, I have to pick between this one and uh, the Blue Note uh, album, uh, EP you did with Dumbo Station. Uh, I love that and I love this as well. Um, you know, the song Father Figure is very solid. Obviously, considering this Father's Day, um, well, yeah, no, as it is recording, as I record, yeah, still Father's Day. Um, uh, it's just so much oh, great bars, just about family life and growing up. Turning Ten might be one of my favorite tracks of, of this year. Um, I love that track, just in terms of just what he, how he tells it. It's very, very uh, vivid. Um, and yeah, shout out to Sky Zoo, man. Like after ever since I ever since I was like, uh, I don't know, lukewarm on his performance on Retropolitan. I feel like he's just like really just take kicked up a notch somehow. I don't know, I don't know how, but um, I've gone out of that. I think so. Uh, yeah, man, shout out to Sky Zoo on that. It's a solid EP for sure. Uh, definitely in the shortlist for the EPs of the year. Uh, OTG Ferry EP. Uh, it's a uh, guy's who's a um, basically he's a member of like a little Sims squad, basically Age One Hundred One. Um, he, if you, if you go see her live, he's usually uh, the the uh, I guess DJ behind it. No, it's not like it's not like a turntable DJ, but he's like the DJ behind it. Um, whenever whenever she does the live shows and he drops his own EP. Um, yes, yeah, a solid listen. Very, um, uh, very uh, uh, sp- well, spa- spacey beats, which I, which I'm uh, not surprised about. Uh, very minimal uh, uh, in terms of like uh, a, a very deconstructed, I guess, in terms of how you want to describe it. And uh, there is a small cameo by Little Sims uh, in one track, but it's not really anything to go like if you, you know, if you want to hear new Little Sims, you have to go to that. It's literally just like a few lines it's not even that uh it's literally a cameo it's literally minor cameo so uh yeah but other than that it's a solid dp shout out to him uh shout out to otg uh yeah grime days grime 10 um they should rename it because they should rename their whole thing because it's not even grime anymore do you know what i mean but that's just a that's not having anything to do with the compilation albums just um to do with the you know you can't call it grime daily and then have near to no grime on here it's just, just um i don't know it just makes me feel weird but anyway considering uh you know wiley as well um and jamie which i talked about last week um but yeah you know it's um it's just it's it's just like you know what british music has right black british music has right now um you get all the flavors um in terms of that um you get some decent performances here and there um i can't really complain about it um i would preferably honestly like some women in here because i feel like it's just like yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I feel like there's plenty of women that could have just hopped on here and just completely scorched tracks here, right? Um, but there's just none, and uh, it kind of makes me a bit, you know, just um, makes my eyebrow raise to be honest. If you're, you know, it's Grime Daily. Um, what's the other one? Fuck, uh, Link Up TV, SBTV, all those like they're the pipeline, and you're doing a compilation album and you only have and you have no women on it. It's just, it. I don't know. It doesn't make me feel. It doesn't feel right in that sense but you know it's okay you know there's, there's some good there's some good performances here and there um can't really complain it's a compilation album so you know it's not gonna be 
you know, heat, uh, <laughs> heat all the time. You're going to mm-hmm. have some uh, skips in there, but, you know, it's okay. Uh, I, I don't know if it's AWA or AWA. It's just AWA in a caps, so I'm just going to go AWA. Uh, Crybaby, a little EP here. Um, first time I've heard of her. It was on Spotify, I just saw it, and I was like, you know, I had 15 minutes, so why not? There was a BJ Chicago Kid feature on here, so I was like, sure, let's go for it, dive right in. With no prior knowledge uh, to who she is. Um, it's kind of similar to, to uh, Timar uh, from a few weeks ago, but not the same. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, um, but it's very... Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, conversations about relationships and that kind of stuff. Um, the... Chicago Kid uh, uh, features very nice. Um, it's a nice. Uh, they have a nice balance to the chemistry together in that particular track. Um, but yeah, so it's a it's a solid EP. Um, considering I had like no prior knowledge about it, um, it's very it's really solid. Nice um, modern uh, neo R and B kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's worth a listen. Uh, John Legend's Big Love. Um, yeah, that's interesting. <sighs> right, so. I haven't listened to John Legend album since the 2013 album. I forgot what that's called. Um, Get but, lifted, you know, I think. I didn't mind that from. Oh from no, that was, was his first. But, you know, it's 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 John Legend. <laughs> it's John Legend. Like, um, yeah, no, it's not. A, yeah, that was that was like 2006. Yeah, that's my bad. But um, yeah, this is um, it's a John Legend album. Like he's, it's it's, you know, you're gonna get some pianos. You're gonna get some good singing. Um, you're gonna get some conversation about love. You know, you know what you're gonna get, um, and he really tries hard to have uh, you know a lot of flavors in it. And while most of them hit the title track, "Bigger Love," is just completely unnecessary. Like you are not, I'm not, nobody's here for a John Legend uh, Caribbean flavor track. I'm sorry, this I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that. Nobody's here for that. I know why you're doing it. We know why you're doing it. Just stop. <laughs> just to stop but past that um it's very solid um the last track was a bit flat for me in terms of like just um finishing off the album but uh you know past that and past those two tracks to be honest um it's pretty solid don't mind uh didn't mind the features rapsy's on here as well um she always kills it of course um she can't miss uh but yeah you know it's john legend you know what you're gonna get these <laughs> these days i mean he's been in the game for what like 10 15 years now so uh you you, you can't miss you can't miss uh, if, if you if you know john legend you, you want to listen to john legend you know what you're going to get. Uh, Chill Up Essentials, Summer 2020. Uh, nice little uh, compilation album they finally dropped uh, for, obviously, the summer months. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, it's it's, it's great. <laughs> if you've got an hour and ten minutes and you just want to vibe some summer beats, you know where to go. Chill Up Essentials, as always. Uh, the homie Jane Flame, Jay Flames, friend of 5e, Hikikomori. Um, I've, uh, about half of this uh, album has been released uh, via single, so um, you know I've kind of I kind of know where it was coming from in terms of what what was going to happen. Uh, but yeah, he's got some his production. Uh, his production is uh, solid. I really love uh, Jay's uh, production. Uh, for those that don't know, he's like the f- him and his brother Ruins Aeson a- a- uh, were like the first people I interviewed for my site uh, for the Fifth Element, and um, you know I've just kept in touch with them ever since and. Uh, yeah, man, their their production, uh, ear for production is just like super solid, and uh, just the way they do it is very solid. Uh, I would say his flows <laughs> get a bit <laughs> shaky now and again, uh, particular so- uh, particular songs. Uh, but overall, it's a solid project. I can't complain about that. So hey, Kamori, shout out Jay Flames. Uh, Justine Skies, bear with me. Um, yeah, so I was like bare confused at first because I was like, I swear. 
Justine dropped something called Bear With Me before. Mm. <laughs> and as it turns out, um, literally 75% of the album was dropped as an EP last August. And I was just like, is, that, is this a new thing? Yeah, uh, you hate this. Uh, I'm, I'm confused because, like, you know, why like, okay, just, just to say this, just to say this, right, I really enjoyed it. Like, she... I, I like Justine Sky. She has a nice voice. Um, her product, her you know, ear for production is very nice, and just how she flows with it, um, it's very nice. She has a very nice, um, just uh, uh, picture painted in terms of what she, in terms of what she is as a nice. I really like her music. Um, but bro, f- like literally seventy five percent of this album was out like last year. So it, can you can you even class this as an album it's literally like a deluxe ep if you want to class it as that it's literally a deluxe edition ep that's what it is it has like three more tracks i think and the ep had like five do the math like bro stop it <laughs> stop 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 um <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna be surprised at this one uh city girls city on lock <laughs> Hey. All right. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to give Seagulls a try, cause, I, cause I just wanted, to, I just wanted to see what the what the fuss is about. Um, and um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, it's one of the she, they're one. I, I'm not, I don't want to say it's derog, derog uh, with, uh, with the derogatory spin. I'm really not saying it as a derogatory thing. But they, but they, but they are same, same. It's the same thing every time. Um, literally, ninety percent of this is just like the same. Um, apart from like one take Heath beat and the last track, um, you're getting the same stuff over and over again. Which you know, it's their lane. You know, they're Florida. They're they're based in Florida. You know, Miami. I get it. It's cool. If you're if you're about that life. And uh, you want you want that real real shit, eh, you know. You, if you want that, but if you want that vibe, go for it. Um, it's obviously not mine, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, but I just wanted to give it a go, and it is what it is. It's City Girls. If you've heard one song, you've seen you've heard them all. And I'm not saying that in a derogatory statement, uh, but people obviously will. Um, but yeah, the last track was very good actually. I re- I really enjoyed that in terms of just changing it up. It was a very very refreshing, so I will say that. And there were a couple of tracks that I've I vibed with them, but yeah, it's um it's it's very same same. It's very very incredibly same same. And uh, lastly, Wiley Godfather three. Um, yeah, man, I just I just love the fact you know apart from obviously you know outside of music, uh, Wiley can be a bit um uh, <laughs> uh vocal. Um, let's say that. Um, and uh, you can be on whatever side you want to be on that. But music wise, bro. I can't hate. I can't mm-hmm. hate. Like he still gets it done. Yeah. He still has that energy that he had from day one. And that day and day one was like 20 25 years yeah, ago. Yeah. <laughs> like like he still has that energy and I highly respect that. Yeah. Like referencing Gozer rap again um from from earlier. Like you know when I saw Public Enemy they last song Wu-Tang like they have the they have the energy still. Like they still like hop and jump and run about the stage and I highly respect that at their age um, and Wiley's exactly the same like well, on Wax anyway he has that energy he sounds hungry and I fucking love it yeah. and the fact that he puts so many people onto this and a lot of names I, I've honestly never heard of you know you have like your big zoos um, you have your jammers right but 
past that, like there were names I've just never heard of. Um, and you know, another thing, this is not to do with, well, it might be to do with Wiley, I don't know who does it, but, um, put the features on the freaking Spotify track list, please. Yeah, that's like, annoying. Like there's nothing there, it just says Wiley. Yeah. Like I know there's more people on it, just put their names on it so I can shout them out. It annoys me to shit. It, it's, it's, it he's not that. the only one like it happens sometimes and I see it and I'm just like it just says Wiley 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 and I'm like no there's more people on it please give me the tr- please give me the correct checklist but apart from that it's a super solid album um, yeah man I'm I, I'm not a grind person like I've, I've, I've I was never like you know really deep into it like my uh, like some people but I like it I, I like some grime now and again and you know having Jamie last week and uh, you know Wiley this week it's it really fits a vibe, like like you were talking about, you know, if it's in a gym session, um, it's just so much energy, like some of them. But, you know, even with that said, there were some, um, you know, real introspective tracks as well. So it wasn't always, you know, just like, don't test my credentials kind of kind of buzz, you know. Was, there was some um, there was some introspection on that, and I highly respect that as well. So uh, shout out to Wiley on that. Honestly, it's, um, you know, <laughs> I think the first Godfather was supposed to be like a retirement album. <laughs> now he's done three of them. <laughs> Just don't retire, bro. Just, just, as long as you can keep doing this, don't retire. It's no point. Just keep, just keep doing your things. Uh, so shout out to Wiley. And with that said, we shall jump in to the topic of this episode. And uh, we're talking about some Big L. Um, well, Ben uh, uh, prefaces this, uh, his, um, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, want to uh, mission statement for this particular episode in terms of what he wanted to do. Uh, what he wanted to state as like an overall um, headline for this particular episode. And it was that Big L was one of the most, you know, just uh, if he was still alive, he'd probably be, you know, in contention for one of the greatest rappers of all time. And, um, you know, I didn't respond to him in that fashion uh, by, you know, saying what I thought about that statement, but that was going to be my mission statement as well. Because <laughs> like, every time I hear Big L, I'm just like... <sighs> He could have been it, man. He really could have been it. <laughs> like, he really could have been that fucking dude. Like, um, you know, he could have been in the top echelon with the Big Daddy Canes, the Raw Kims, the Cool G Raps, and obviously later on with the Biggies and the Nazis. He could have... He, uh, it was so close. He could have been there, man. Like, I was trying... I was listening back, obviously, this week, and I was just like... Man, I can really hear him, like, in 2020 right now, just spin some heat. I can definitely see that someday. But, uh, you know, obviously that's a parallel universe. Um, but we shall jump in uh, to, I guess, uh, 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 Ben's uh, research corner. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see, see, see what the boys got for us to, this week. So, Jen, Ben, jump in. Yeah, I mean, that's where I'd like to go. And I'd also like to say that, there's a difference between being one of the greatest MCs of all time and just ending ending up being a GOAT. And I compare Biel a lot to someone like Ghostface, where I think Ghostface is one of the greatest MCs of all time. Mm. But I don't know that he's still super relevant except to people like us in 2020. And I don't know that he progressed the other aspects of his... I guess, career other than just being a genuinely top tier MC. Whereas I feel like Big L. And what I'm going to say here is is there's three angles I'm going to go with. The first is he's basically credited as not creating horrorcore rap, but popularizing it and really pushing it into the mainstream and being one of the first people to actually embrace it. Uh, And I feel if he'd fully committed to it, 
he would certainly be up there with, say, Eminem or Tyler in terms of the legacy of that subgenre. So he, like, that's a subgenre. That's an essential subgenre in hip hop. That some um some band uh, artists have made it their entire career horrorcore rap. So that's a massive string to your bow. Yeah. And the other side is he was a genuine businessman, and his focus wasn't just to put himself on, but to put on everyone around him. Like as you'll see as I speak, he had a really incredible eye for talent. And obviously the third part is he's one of the greatest MCs of all time. Now, within those three angles, he was a fucking genius. And I mean top of the tree. So what I want to do on this podcast is say to you, Big L's not some anomaly that didn't live up to his full... I mean, he didn't. He Obviously, we know he didn't. He, he wasn't able to live up to his full potential. But he's not just a rapper who dropped a couple of albums or one album and we were like, oh, you know, he was actually a genuine force on the scene from like 94 to, you know, 98. So I want to speak on that. And I want to speak on those before we get into the music because there's only two albums that we're really going to speak about, his debut and his first posthumous album. I'll speak about the others a little bit, but, you know, it's not a massive uh, thing to speak about there. But... uh, I'll start with some timeline and maybe his business acumen because that actually fits in with his timeline. Big L was a freestyle monster from a young age and he met Lord Finesse in a record shop and he freestyled for him and uh, their connection after that was forever solidified. Lord Finesse said that he was blown away by his skill, the rhyme style, the punchlines, the compounds. I mean, if you've ever listened to Big L, you know. This guy is going to blow your fucking mind in a freestyle. It's just crazy. And it was this freestyle and cypher mentality that led him to the creation of the legendary Harlem group Children of the Corn. And this is where I want to start is like Big L was one of the first artists, first rappers to really get on in Harlem and he pulled everyone along behind him. We know Harlem now is one of the greatest scenes in hip-hop history and it was Big L who was one of the first uh, Children of the Corn had Cameron, Mace, Bloodshed, McGruff, and Big L. Now that's a super group. That was 1992, man. 1992. That's an eye for talent. How was Big L to know that two of those rappers would go on to be, you know, two of the biggest rappers in the United States? Because he had the vision. And uh, Bobito said that he, and Big L was always on stretch and Bobito. I think they said he came up like eight times or something. And he said his favorite Big L moment was when he brought Mace, Cam, Buddha Bless, Bloodshed, McGruff, MC Terror, Big Twan up to the show. And he just said he knew from that moment that Big L had this eye for talent and could just see it in people. And uh, as Cam said, Big L was the biggest artist in Harlem. He had a record deal before all of them, and he paved the way for Harlem artists to get paid. Uh, Cam said verbatim, he got the deal, and it was like, oh shit, he got a deal. And we all felt that Harlem had a jinx. Everybody from other boroughs are on, and there was nobody really on from Harlem. And Big L got a deal, and one of those deals, you got to do what the label told you, and it wasn't really like he could do what he wanted to do. And that was a disappointing, and I'll speak on that later. Uh, and that was why he ended up splitting with Columbia because his first deal was with Sony. But Cam told Nardwa that Big L gave him a chance when he was 16. And it was from there that his career grew, mm. you know. And Mace was similar to Cam in that, you know, Cam was a basketball player and he wasn't, he was rapping as a hobby, but it wasn't his main focus. 
And Mace was similar to Cam in that he wasn't super keen on a rap career, but that start in Children of the Corn alongside Big L, who was already signed, it lit the fire and Mace went off to college, but he came back to Harlem after only two semesters to pursue his rap career and Cam credits Big L for that. He told Hot 97 that he and Mace weren't seeing it as a career until Big L brought them up. And that desire to put people on around him was like a common thread throughout his career. So when Hove wanted to sign him to Rockefeller in 98, Big L was like not as a solo act. Dame Dash wanted to sign him solo, but Big L insisted that his crew all receive deals, the group called the Wolfpack. And unfortunately, he passed before that deal could be finalized. And to me, having done this research and looked into it, I always felt like Big L kind of fell into these situations, but mainly because, like, I don't feel like he positioned himself as the overseer of all these people or the OG or, like, I'm the big rapper. You know, we think about Hove with Rockefeller where he went and grabbed all these young younger rappers and he was like, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to pull you along behind me. I never felt like Big L did that. He wasn't yeah. actively trying to do that. They just gravitated towards him because he was that good. You know, like when he and Hove went up to Stretch and Bobito in 1995, it was definitely with Big L as the leader. And Jay-Z had been in the game already for seven years by this stage, okay? Jay-Z had been around Big Daddy Kane. He'd been around Jazz-O. Like, he'd been in the fucking Clark yeah. Kent. Like, it wasn't like he was, you know, just some unknown rapper at this point. He had a single out already. And uh, Big L, they said that, Big L was just trying to put him on. He's like, is that your man? Okay, do you want to give him the mic? And he was like, yeah, I'll give my man a couple of verses. And my man, like that's, you know, in hip hop, that's the terms. Like this is the guy that I'm bringing along next to me. So I don't know if you want to speak on that, but I always found that very interesting and an underrated part of Big L's history that he has this gravitational pull of just great artists. And to me, that just in, that's a genuine thing. Like a lot of artists try and force that, like try and grab popular artists or whatever and they try and build up their legacy that way big l if he'd continued he was creating his own record label if he continued down this path he would have become a magnet for great artists and i reckon his label would have been incredible yes one of those things that because it's a you know quote unquote like you know these are all inside stories like you know if if you're if you're in the game you know who big l is but it's one of those, because of that, it's one of those things that don't really get talked about because it's not, well, it's not it's not sexy to talk about it. The reason why people like, um, you know, uh, uh, Tupac and Biggie are like constantly talked about is because they have storylines that can be, you know, uh, dramatized and, you know, um, and stuff like that. Um, you know, in <laughs> compared to those two, in this way, it's just, you know, this is just inside industry kind of stuff. You know, I want to start a label or fly. I want to get, you know, I want this deal. Da, 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 I want to put these people on, you know. It only it only matters to the people that were, you know, around that time. And, you know, uh, we're in those particular circles. So unless they constant, consistently talk about it, um, which obviously, you know, sometimes talks about in, um, you know, enter interview here. It's not going to be, um, it's not going to be, you know, documented in film, so, so to speak, you know, like an all eyes on me and notorious. 
So, um, you know, in, in that terms, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said multiple times to, you know, people like uh, like Master P, for example, that, you know, kind of, you know, did that. <laughs> you know, he started the la- he did his independent label, he put people on, they got platinum plaques and all that stuff, and, you know, now he's, and he's still going to this day. Like, and that's... And do we hear about Master P? Mm. Not very often, <laughs> unless you consistently listen to Master P and old Hot Boys records. So it, unless unless you're in those circles, there's no need for the average Joe to talk about those kind of stuff unless you're just, you know, you know like hip-hop uh, students like we are. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, you know, it is kind of... It makes it that much more unfortunate, the fact that, you know, Big L could have been, you know, in that echelon of a of a J, of a Master P, not in not in just a uh, a music standpoint and just, you know, what is created, but what is done behind the scenes in terms of music business and in terms of, you know, ownership and um and just the idea ideas, the morals and the ideals of those of those things. Um so yeah man, well it's unfortunate. Um it's 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 cool nonetheless knowing that. Um, you know, and, and uh, hopefully, you know, you guys listen and feel the same because it's just uh, mad fascinating in terms of just what he, you know, he was like, what, 22 around that time? So, uh, you know, it's just, that's 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 elite. <laughs> that's elite mindset right there. That's an elite mindset, like, to have that, uh, to have those, um, not even just those dreams at 22, but to, you know, trying to act upon those things, get a crew um, try and put them on as well as yourself, and as the decade went on, um, you know, uh, constantly growing on that, uh, on those foundations that you've built for yourself, so, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's all the, it's all worth hailing, for sure. Absolutely, and then we can speak about Big L with Horrorcore, I won't get super deep into it, but many sources do cite Big L as the creator of Horrorcore via his 1992 song Devil's Son, but the term has been around before this and it was already a subgenre. Uh, yeah. It's just that Big L did yeah. it better than everyone else, you know? If you're familiar with Big L's work after this track, you'll know that this is a bag that he only dips into occasionally. It isn't his main method of lyrical content, but uh, Devil's Son has all the trademarks of the subgenre. It has cartoonish violence. Like he raps, when I was in preschool, I beat a, di- a kid to death with a wooden block. <laughs> I was just like, fuck. Okay. And there's devil worship, of course. I'm rolling with Satan, not Jesus Christ. And back then, devil worship or any form of Satanism was pretty radical, especially in hip-hop, but even in other genres. Artists who actively and vocally rejected Christianity were seen as anomalies with weird niche fan bases so it's quite a risky move to even put that on wax back then it's like okay you're really pigeonholing yourself uh but i think it's important to center any conversation around big l in this horrorcore element of his music because he said in an interview that he was fascinated with horror films and a childhood friend said that he was into really weird stuff like he said if an old lady fell ice skating he'd laugh and then he'd make fun of her later. And then if he found her grandson, he'd go and make fun of the grandson for his, like, you know, like some dark shit. And he, Big L himself said the conditions that he grew up in lent themselves to this kind of lyrical style. 
but he also said he moved away from it because it wasn't really resonating with him and he didn't want to inhabit that persona regularly. And we see it a lot on his debut album. And the thing about Big L that can be confronting is that he's a genuine punchline rapper. Okay, so I'll speak about that when we speak about his him as a lyrical monster. But this means that he could do a whole song of punchlines where one bar is completely unrelated to the next. If you love Little Wayne and a Millie and that kind of style, Big Sean as well, where they're just jumping from topic to topic, like it doesn't, it it doesn't make sense. It's like none of this, no flow, but it still flows. You love Big L. That's where it fucking originated, man. This guy would do a whole song where just there'd be self-contained bars. It was unbelievable. But the thing is that. He might just slip a horrorcore punchline into an otherwise normal song and it hits you in the face. Or he might use something really fucked up to elevate a song that is already like bubbling with horrorcore elements. Uh, Like examples are, and I send a voice message to Charlie, his AIDS bars on Danger Zone and All Black. I won't repeat them here. But if you're listening to those songs and you're already, you're like, whoa, like it hits you in the face. It hits you really hard in the face. And I think this is an angle of his career that's often forgotten about. And I think it highlights his versatility yep. and influence as an MC. I don't, I don't mind personally horrorcore lyrical content. I think as long as it stays within the realm of the cartoonishly violent or abhorrent, then that's okay. The minute it creeps into the territory of being rooted in a truth or a behavior that the artist may genuinely carry out... I fall back from it. Like, it's why I beat a kid to death at preschool with a block, a building block. Like, no, he didn't do that. So, I, you know, that doesn't really bother me. And it's the same with, like, Kim by Eminem. You know, he didn't kill his wife in, in the woods and then throw a body in the water. So that's okay. But then, you know, Eminem, on the flip side, his bars on that Compton album by Dr. Dre are awful. I don't know. Everyone should... Well, I hope no one's heard that, but I'm sure people have heard that. But, like... The difference I found between, say, someone like Eminem and Big L was horrorcore for a period of 16 years, when it isn't your only lyrical avenue and it isn't your only gimmick, that's not your subgenre, it comes across as tone deaf and has no value in the end. And I think that Big L made that conscious decision early that he wasn't going to pursue it as a lyrical technique beyond, you know, occasionally dropping a bar in there because... He didn't want to be yeah. a horrorcore rapper. It wasn't. He was way more diverse than that, and he would just use it as a tool occasionally to slap you in the face. And uh, I respect that, and I think it's an underrated part of his, of his. Uh, and I think it's a part that people might get misconstrued and be like, Big L is not someone you can listen to because of these gross, disgusting bars. And you know what? I totally understand that. If you don't fuck with horrorcore, if you don't fuck with this kind of content, then you know, respect to you. Don't don't listen to this kind of music. But I respect the wittiness and the uh, inventiveness of him just throwing a random bar in there that really makes you go, man, that's crazy. You shouldn't have said that. Like, I, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't... I, I actually rarely... Uh, like, I, I never really thought about Big L in the prism of Horrorcore. Um, like, uh, uh, overall. Um, but obviously now that you, you know... Um, Paint it in that, uh, paint it in that light, and just have that context is, uh, you know, it's it's kind it's kind of obvious. But you know, I I get what you mean in terms of not ha- not doing it consistently. 
because um you know even for you know people like uh, you know the ghetto boys or cool keith or uh uh, uh, uh tech nine obviously down the line uh, uh, uh there's, there's some uh, three six mafia as well um you know they didn't all they don't all constantly do it but they but most of them have but i think uh, most of the names um i've named i have it more probably more than big l to be honest um mm. Uh, but even with that said, with lifestyles that are poor and dangerous, like you, when it comes to the album, um, well, firstly, another great example, um, potential great example of a, a greatest uh, debut track on a debut album. Put it on, mm. big, uh, put it on, tune, tune, tune. Um, just, just wanted to shout that out. But yeah, um, even past, it, it starts off. It starts off very just, you know. Uh, generic boom bap rap and uh, you know I can't complain about that so, some, some, some would say lo-fi <laughs> it's not it's boom bap um, but oh, <laughs> it is what it is on that front um, it's I, know, I had to put it in I was thinking about that while I was listening I was like oh this is pretty lo-fi someone should invent that <laughs> oh wait it already has um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there was a knife wonder tweet that like uh he he does knife wonder does these things where he tweets like uh, he asks these questions when he obviously knows the answer but he just wants people to answer the question punch does that as well president td he also yeah, he asks yeah, these questions that. and like he just wants to know the other people's answers even though he already has an opinion on it but he just likes to have people answer the question for him but anyway um and, and as pertaining to lo-fi um yeah, so lifestyles pull and dangerous. So I was just like, uh, my my overall uh, feeling towards the album is like a sense of, I love the I love the way it sounds in terms of just uh, like raw, but not in the you know horrorcore sense, but just like it it sounds like he there's there's like he, they're all outside and he's just got a squad behind him and there's just a mic in front of him and he's just spitting. And everyone's just behind him like just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just go them on, and like some of them come onto the mic. It's so boiler room. I fucking yeah. love it. Like it's such yeah. a, there's such a vibe to, there's such a freestyle vibe to it. Where like every, like there's like ten dudes in a room, and he's just like the main dude spitting. But sometimes some other person just comes through and just drops a, drops some heat. It's so, yeah. It, it's such a raw vibe to it, and I really like that. And that's kind of the thing. That's probably the biggest thing I came away from this sticker album. Um, just, just how it, just when the features come in, it's just like, it's like they literally have the mic in their hand, excuse me, and they literally just like pass the mic <laughs> just before they spit. It's, it's, it's so, it's like it's recorded in real time. Um, obviously it's not, but it's just how it feels to me sometimes when, when I go through it all. It's, it's so fascinating. Uh, there's really, there's really an album that, ha- that has that genuine, um, past the mic kind of feeling um as it pertains to recording of it but um, it just does it so well and i just really like that uh that uh, collective um that collective recording uh, uh way of doing things it's just uh it just puts a nice image in my in my head of just like you know just a squad of squad of people just like spin some bars and this and then they're just hanging up this dude because he's the chosen one kind of thing it's just i love it i love it. it's great so great so great that collaborative spirit is amazing like i do love that fact like i'll speak a bit about big l's ascension to basically because because what you're saying is true and he's got legends on that album man he's got legends on that album and you're right it just feels like he is at the pinnacle of all those legends and there's a reason for this because big l 
was one of the greatest MCs of all time. Like, he was a fucking killer. He was a genuine killer. Nas said verbatim, he scared me to death. When I heard that on tape, I was scared to death. I said, yo, it's no way I compete with it. I can compete with this if this is what I got to compete with. That's Nas. That's Illmatic Nas saying that. Like, that's insane. Yeah. There are yeah. so many elements to his ability and his lyricism. Someone said, what did they say? I read a review where they called him, they said that he had a razor blade tongue. And it just felt that way. Like, he, he could just eviscerate you in eight bars, you know? And his wittiness is, I think, his greatest attribute. I think you're listening to Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous and you just, you know, there's some dark shit on there and some hardcore stuff. But then he'll just drop a funny bar and you'll just be like, that's hilarious, man. And whenever I ask my followers to name their favorite Big L bars, I get about 300 different responses because he could just do anything and make it funny. You know, he could be spitting some really dark stuff and then have a bar that makes you laugh out loud. Uh, (laughs) On who you sliding with, he raps. I asked Honey her name and she told me Celeste. She had big breasts. Honey made me harder than a Spanish test. I'm just like, I was listening to that yesterday. I'm just like, (laughs) that's the middle of a typical, just general storytelling song, you know? And I think that that wittiness comes from his freestyling roots. Uh, In a complex story, they said that Big L would run around with a notepad so that whenever someone said something crazy on the block, he'd rewrite his rhymes or change a punchline. And, you know, he would be inspired by what what he heard and he'd learn. And I mean, he began as a feared freestyler and Lord Finesse said that no one was touching him in a battle and Fat Joe backed that up and that's how he and Jay-Z met. Big L and Jay had a genuine street battle and Dame said um, Dame said he wasn't sure how it was set up but uh, that Hove never speaks on it although people say that Big L set it up, someone else, like no one really knows how it happened. I always felt it was Dame because I know that People say Dame was just driving around, driving Jay-Z around the city looking for battles back then. And uh, Jules said that Jay just got out of the Lexus. The Lexus, of course. He pulled up in the Lexus. Dame requested that Big L come down and battle, and it begun. And Dame Dash says that Jay won because people said it was a tie, and since Jay-Z was on Big L's block, if you get a tie on somebody else's block, you won. Lord Finesse said that Big L actually claimed the victory. Mm. Big L think that he he won but i mean it's immaterial because when they went up on stretch and bobito in 95 big l murked jay-z like washed him like lyrically washed repeat rinse repeat conditioned he just you know just put him out in the trash and that's not even a slight on jay it's just that big l was just that fucking good but then there's a storytelling element to big l you know he could just engage you as much as biggie or nas or slick rick and it was just another element to his skill set And I always took away from his stories like the outlandishness of them, the fact that they could just go anywhere at any time. He might kill someone, he might rob someone, he might begin in a totally chill headspace, and then he ends up dead in the middle of a a playground surrounded by blood-covered money and kids. Like, that's just, that's it, man. It's just a wild ride. Then there's rhymes. Like, I know I'm going to talk forever, but there's just so many elements to this guy's fucking rapping ability. Like, Go his off. rhyme schemes are incredible. In that 95 freestyle, 70% of his words rhyme. 70%, man. That's insane. Anything over 57% is very high. 
and he would have multis, internals. It was almost like he would for, like sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to write to get to that 70%. But if you're doing that, then you're going to compromise your content. But at no point does his content get compromised. It's like it's almost like off the top of the head. And he does say that in a, in a rhyme at one point. He's like, I could write or go off the top of the head. It would sound the same. And uh, it's another part of killing an MC. Like if you keep in a battle, if you keep smashing them with, in the face with rhymes, it makes your lyrical content even more impactful. Like you, you, you think about you're listening to a Big L song and your head's just flipping around like bang, 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 bang because it just keeps rhyming. Then the punchlines, like, I mean, I think this is the, the trait that most people remember of Big L. 39.5% of lifestyles with poor and dangerous are just punchlines, and only 20.2% of those are similes, which means he doesn't resort to the like crutch a lot that a lot of punchline rappers use. You know, I'm like or like, like. It's the actual quite intense, intricate punchlines. And sometimes he'd run four bars into a punchline, Sometimes he'd knock off four punchlines in four bars. Sometimes he'd run two punchlines concurrently. Uh, it, it was just, it was very complex, you know. Um, and no one, like, I, I, I keep talking about it, but the guy's just a fucking lyrical legend. Like, just a genuine lyrical legend. And some of those bars, man, some of these bars, he's like, once a burglar broke into my house and I robbed him. <laughs> Can you just, the imagery of that? Like someone broke into Big L's house to rob him. So he robbed them. That's, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. But I'll speak just super quickly on Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous before we get into his posthumous album. And I, I don't know if you want to keep speaking on this album, Charlie, but I'm totally happy for you to keep talking about it. But what you said about it being basically as if it was a cipher almost, like his friends were behind him and he would just spit and they would just come in eventually... Yeah. That was the reason why Columbia dropped him because it only went 149 on the Billboard 200 and a lot of people said that they were trying to make him turn him into a pop star and Big L just refused to acquiesce. He just wouldn't do it. They wanted him on huge hooks and massive beats. They basically wanted to give him the notorious big treatment and uh, Big L just didn't want to do that. You know, He remained ultra gutter, like ultra gutter. And... There's other criticism to that album because a lot of those songs were quite old. Like uh, Put It On and Street Struck were recorded in like 92, 91. And I will say that the album does sound dated even for 95. I think if you drop this in 93, you have an undisputed classic. Yeah. But I think in 1995, we had mm. Doggy Style, Chronic, Ready to Die, Illmatic. We had Fugees. We had Outcast. And they'd all push your genre forward. Yeah. And Big L was shafted at Columbia by most accounts because he was signed in 92 and he wasn't given the resources he needed or the guidance. Um, but if you let, let Columbia tell it, he he didn't want that. But at the same time, like you're signed in 92, your first album comes out in 95 and some of those songs are recorded 91, 92. If you drop this 93, then yeah, you got a, you got a straight classic. But the album is fucking crazy anyway, man. Like... Lyrically, it's insane, and uh, my favorite is Eight Is Enough because he's three steps ahead of every MC on that song. Mm -hmm. And then Jay-Z pops up, and he gets washed again. <laughs> Poor Jay-Z. It's just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just keep popping up on these big L things. Bang! <laughs> Fucking taken out again. I'm like, oh, shit, man. 
Because this guy can't be beaten on wax. He just can't be beat. I've never heard anyone best Big L on wax. It's just not possible. He's just he was just that good. And I love that album, man. It's a it's a must fucking listen. It is a must listen to anyone if they've never heard that. You've got to listen to that album. Yeah, it's really an essential just uh, hip hop album. Even when like obviously I agree when you talk about it, it it does sound early nineties, not mid nineties. Because obviously there's just like a there's like a flashpoint for one particular year, um, and you know he drops in ninety five and it doesn't sound like it's dropped in ninety five. It sounds like it's dropped in ninety two, which is you know is what it is. Um, you know listening back now doesn't really matter because uh, you know it's not ninety five right now. But yeah, yeah, you know if it dropped at that point, you would be like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> it's a throwback <laughs> I'd be, already. I'd be a bit confused. Like it, you know that that'll be. You know, like you said, when stuff like, you know, yeah, when stuff like the score comes through or whatever, and Aquemini or whatever, and you're just like, my guy, <laughs> come on, you're, you're years behind right now, and I, I completely get where you're coming from, because like, if, if if you didn't, if you didn't tell me it was dropped to 95, I would be like, 92, sounds yeah. like 92, sounds like, you know, around that time, like Illmatic and all that, Pete Rock, Seal Smooth kind of th- kind of vibe, yeah, yeah, it's, it completely, completely makes sense, um, <laughs> And it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of interesting looking at the big picture. Actually, just moving on to that, um, in terms of just like how, you know, there's more, um, let's say, uh, notable uh, features on that front. Um, actually, I meant to say, uh, <laughs> as a comparison, Jay Z is like uh, Jay Z the Big L is like uh, Isaiah Thomas to Michael Jordan. He just like keeps kicking his ass at the start <laughs> and then just uh jay-z gets the last laugh in some fashion but it's just so fascinating that front. it's such a good comparison just had that in my head i just want to get out but anyway um yeah the big picture is like more interesting in terms of just like the amount of notable names there like you've got kane you've got cool g rap got fat joe on a couple remy mars on the last one as well like there's some genuine names on there right and it's still Big L, bro. <laughs> it's still Big L. Every freaking day. It's just Big L every time. It's just... Um, uh, and even hearing Big Daddy Kane in, like, 2000 is just, like, so interesting because his voice just... Uh, his voice just changes. He sounds so youthful in the 80s. And then, like, by 2000, it's just, he just sounds like an actual dude. It's just crazy how that sounds. Anyway, that's just me. Um, but, bro, I th- the funny thing about Big L, right... You know, we could talk about the horror core. We could talk about the ninety, what was it ninety five, ninety eight freestyle? I forgot the net, forgot the number. Um, and like he just starts off with that guy, like, "I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired." But let me just drop this heat right. <laughs> let me just slay the entire. You're tired. Earth Literally, right I think the host of uh, whoever was that, whoever what, yeah, this is like whoever whoever was hosting was just like, "That's you tired." Okay. <laughs> It's like, all right, fine. It's just so fucking... It's such a... I, I, you just know he meant that as well. He's like, I'm legit tired, but let me just drop this heat right quick. It wasn't even a flex. It was like, I'm, I'm dead tired, but all right, let me just get this in. But, oh, man, it's crazy. Um, But, but amongst all the things I love about Big L, like, you've, you've already said it, right? He has that horrorcore thing that he can do. He could do the punchlines, but for me, bro, the heist, the heist revisited, casualties of a fucking dice game, bro, that storytelling is so fucking elite, 
I'm struggling to find be- uh, better examples in terms of storytelling. It's up there. It's so fucking up the there. Highest, if he yeah. did like an out, if he, I would have. Oh, this is one of those. This is one of those things, right? Where I'm just like, bro, I wish he was alive long enough to do a concept album. Just if he, if he had a concept, like you know, like Cool Keith does, or Master Ace, um, or like you know Kendrick in more um, uh, contemporary terms. If he had a concept. And just rode that for 55 minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it could probably be like one of the best albums I've ever heard. Like, I, j- I just know this in the ether. There was something there. There could have been a concept album so fucking crazy. And Big Earl could have just whacked out of the park with the storytelling. Absolutely amazing. Just like, just looking at ta- casualties of a dice game, bro. Like, you, you mentioned the end of it. But there's so many things to it. Like, it's literally... A ho- you could literally make this into a forty-five minute, just like, uh, uh, like mini film, like TV movie. Like he starts with his boys, they're cru- cruising through the streets. He goes to gamble. He gets fifty G's. Uh, goes in the car. <laughs> they go to McDonald's. Uh, his his homie goes. Uh, his homie goes. Um, uh, he, they they basically get. Uh, he gets chased. He's calling his boy and he goes, nah, I can't because I'm getting some deep, I'm getting some, you know, getting some, and he's like, bro, you're, you're, you're ditching me for some pum and I'm just about to die right quick. He's cruising, he's got the gun, helps him, he makes him crash the car, boom, boom, cracks him off, goes to boy's house, hits the girl, cracks him off, like, <laughs> he's covered with blood, police is outside, he fires shots at them, he kills one of them, misses the other, goes running, he's fucking injured as shit. Bro, this is a whole fucking song, bro. It's so detailed. I'm it's a hell really, of a night. honestly, I am, I am cutting it down for a two for literally a couple of minutes. It, it literally, bro, that's a whole day. That's a whole day. It's like the hain. Like it's crazy. The amount of event in that one song, and even in the highest and the highest revisited, like the just adding to yeah, those uh, particular highest. tracks as well. So it's like so much yeah. to it. And even with the highest um, specifically. There was like there was like background stuff as well that just added to the visuals of it and just added to the vividness when you close your eyes and listen to it. <sighs> I just I, I if there's one thing I want in the world is a bigger concept album. <laughs> it's just I uh, I would have just it it just would have been I know it would have been crazy I know it would have been crazy like just seeing what he could have come up with in just like fifty five minutes of just thinking up a whole story. Like, it, it it could have been crazy. It could have been crazy. But, you know, overall, the album itself is just like, um, it's it, it actually fits into, you know, the year that it's dropped. Obviously, you know, uh, we talked about lifestyles and obviously how that's, you know, pre-dated for when it drops. You know, big pictures, you know, it's, it, it fits firmly into that 99-2000 vibe. Um, you know, it reminds me similar of um, Yeah Baby for Big Pun, um, how that kind of changes. Uh, in, ter- in terms of from from one album to the next, uh, it's, it, it, it evolves. It evolves sound wise, and um, you know, I, obviously, I don't, I don't. I'm not really the biggest fan of that kind of era of um, production, hip hop production. But um, you know, it is what it is, um, and what it is is Big L just spazzing on folks. <laughs> Absolutely spazzing on folks. So <laughs> can't complain. Yeah, the album is just. Um... I mean, it's it's legendary. It's typical Big L. Just like just that concept album idea would just be wild. I was thinking like something like, 
great adventures of slick rick or something where it's just um just storytelling like just every song's a different story or a different persona i think that would be insane um there's a little bit of history to this album because uh when columbia dropped him it was said that he lost a lot of vigor and energy for hip-hop and a lot of people said that he was just wanted to retire and he was really jaded and jules said that he began to do parties like he would organize parties and because of his fame he was making 150 dollars on a ticket and that actually began his independent grind and his entrepreneurial spirit so i guess it was a good thing that columbia dropped him and uh <sighs> I guess that's where Ebonics came from, you know. That track is so legendary and it's a touch point in what I want to I want I want you to take us away from this podcast is that Big L was genuinely evolving. So, if you listen to Alphabetical Slaughter by Papoose, you've listened to Ebonics. If you listen to anything in that realm, you've listened to Ebonics. Like it was just groundbreaking, you know. They sold 30,000 12 inches independently and I feel like the storytelling element, Abonix, like this was just an MC who was just like growing into himself and growing into his role. And if we look at artists that we lost way, way, way too early, we look at Notorious Big and we say like, I'm not gonna, I think Notorious Big just came out as an MC. Like he just, he was done. He was ready. He, he didn't, I don't think he evolved greatly from Ready to Die to Life After Death. I think Life After Death is probably a better album, yeah. but I don't think Biggie changed that much. You know, I don't think he he like progressed that dramatically. I think he was just a fucking superstar in 94 and again in 97. Park is a bit different because Park had a much longer run in the spotlight than Big L and he put out a lot more projects. So he was able to evolve in front of our yeah. eyes. Big L was a little bit of a different thing because he was kind of getting fucked over by his label in the early 90s and they weren't putting out product and he was recording bulk product. You know, we've gotten plenty of posthumous drops since he's passed. And I think that Big L was on that path to just evolving. Like, Abonix is a great example. Like, he was just going to go wherever his creativity took him. It wasn't just going to be, and I go back to Ghostface again. I'm not trying to shit on Ghostface. Ghostface is in my top 10. But, like, if you listen to a Ghostface project in 2020, it's kind of the same as listening to Ghostface Project in 2000 or 1998. Yeah. Like, you know, it's you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like yeah. he yeah. hasn't yeah. just gone in crazy different directions. The dude just can just spit like wildfire. Mm-hmm. And Big L could spit wildfire, mm-hmm. but he was going in different directions with that wildfire. And that's what I think. That's why I think the greatest tragedy, apart from obviously his fucking terrible, the loss of his life and the loss that he's not here, was that... We never got to see him progress as an MC, and I think the big picture was him starting to progress. Man, like I do like that they didn't, they kept the beats kind of gully, and they didn't try to do like a Biggie duets kind of bullshit and throw him on some random two thousands beats. <laughs> like you know, the enemy I reckon could have been on Doggy Biggie style. duets. <laughs> but I love that album, man. I do love the duets, but I, it would not have fit for Big L. It would have been wild, you know. And, uh, yeah, I think The Enemy could have been on Doggy Style. Those two songs that you mentioned, man, like... Like, I actually think The Heist is better than Casualties of a Dice Game. I don't know. I just I just think it's amazing. I think he's, like... He kills four people, and this is how he ends it, right? He goes, now that's four bodies, two out-of-towners, and two hotties. 
And after that, we ain't sleep for three days. We hit the PJs and split the money three ways. Now we all laughing hard, getting nice and weeded, celebrating, heist completed. I was like, you killed four people, Big L. <laughs> and now we're just chilling. <laughs> it's oh. almost like regulate last week Rufus. where we're just like, you know, Nate Dog just goes and kills a bunch yep. of people on the street. And then he's like, now I'm switching my mind back into freak mode. <laughs> like, how do you do that? How do you switch back into freak mode? That doesn't make sense. But yeah, man, I um, I actually think this this album had heavy uh, Wu Tang solo vibes. Like, I, it just feels like that that aesthetic, and mm. I love it, man. I mm. just fucking, I think it's better than his debut. I'm not really sure why I feel that way. I think it feels more raw and unfinished. Like these are lyrical snippets or voice notes. And, you know, as he, as I said earlier, and as he said, he can write or go off the top of the dome. And I feel like when he puts less thought into something, it just seems to come out more raw and, and in my view, better. Like, it, it, he's just a natural. And so when he's not thinking, and I, I know casualties is a dice game and the highest are different, but they genuinely just feel like he's just telling a story. Like, he's sitting down and just going off the yeah. top of the head. Like, it's not like he's sitting down and writing mm. intricate shit like... um. The Biggie song, uh, what's that song where he's um, at the end of it where he gets caught with that that girl and he, her husband comes home and he ends up robbing the the guy because he's, yeah. Oh, yeah, got a story to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like that is a song where that man sat down and really, like, worked this shit out. Like, I'm going to sit down. Big L's stories just seem like he's just tell, retelling what he did last night. Like, you know, there's no punchline, there's no... I don't know. It just keeps going. Like it's so. That's what I I, I love about this album. I, it feels a little bit not fully completed, and I think that's the best headspace for Big L to be in. So, I love this album. I like it better than his uh, his debut. Surprisingly. Okay. Okay. In terms of finishing, um, you know, it's uh, like it's it's obvious to say it's unfortunate that it's only these two, and you know, kind of you kind of already said that, but. Um, the natural talent like has to be emphasized here mm. like it just the uh, we've only mentioned like three you know avenues he's gone down and you know there's probably plenty more we could mention um but past just rapping there's also the business side the potential entrepreneurship the uh, f- entrepreneurial flair that he had as well like bro it's literally <laughs> that dude is just 360 man like it's just it has he had the potential to have all the packages, like every single package. Like obviously, there's some people that can't, you know, rap as well, but they're fucking great at great at marketing, or you know, they know how to sort out a record deal, or whatever. Or there's people that just rap, and that's it, you know, and they don't focus on anything else. They put people on for other things, but they are just there to rap, right? He can do every single thing, like uh, you know, past maybe producing. Or actually, I did, did he produce? I don't even know. But anyway, um, you know, past that maybe. Um, <laughs> it's just everything there, and just even on a rapping sense, he's absolutely three sixty. Like you know, there's a certain echelon of 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 a rapper where they're just so talented, it just comes off completely effortless. You know, I put L in here. You could put J in there. You could put Big in there. Um, you know, that's just free. There's probably many more you, you can name off. 
where it just seems so effortless. And it's just like, if you, if they said they wrote in an hour, you'll be like, I get that. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so natural. And uh, just just hearing just hearing those works and um, again and you know just thinking about that and thinking about that tannin that just oozes off is absolutely supreme. It really is absolutely supreme. It's like it's it's like Coltrane on a saxophone. It's like Miles Dave Miles Davis on a trumpet. It's so natural and so just it just fits like a glove. Every time you hear it, it just fits like a glove bigger with a pen it's exactly like that it's just or even without a pen just big girl's voice just words go off it whatever however you do it it's gonna hit i just i just don't understand like how like uh how you can be that talented so like and and just <laughs> and just like uh only have these two albums it just it it, it boggles my mind um of just how annoying this is uh you know, in retrospect, but, uh, yeah, man, here's what it is on that front, but, you know, shout out to Big and just shout out to everyone that, you know, um, keeps his legacy alive, you know, from, you know, talking about him, you know, people like Lord Finesse and, and Cameron and those, like, because, you know, uh, there's not many people that try to, you know, apart from, like, you know, particular songs of Big Girls, they don't try, you know, actively, you know, it's the same with Warren G in some sense, um, they don't try to, um, actually explain how fucking cold this dude was. <laughs> like, you need to understand how cold this guy was, <laughs> and and it might not even have, and it might not just the 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 songs might not be enough. Like, you need that full picture. You need you know other people's testimony for that. And while that's unfortunate, it is what it is, and and it is and it is essential. So. You know, if you if you want to understand, like you know how potential the potential in this guy, just you have to look further than the music in this sense. Um, so you know, and if you're if you're fine with that, go do that. But um, yeah, yeah. Every week we come on here and we end up saying like respect this artist more. And with Big L, it's like I feel like his legacy is just that people <laughs> remember him as. <laughs> people just remember him as you know this lyrical miracle whatever like you know he was a great rapper but there was so much more to him man and you know it, he was robbed of the opportunity to grow and progress as an MC, and he was stuck in that holding pattern from 92 to 95 and uh yeah i just look this is this is how i feel like he died at the age of 24 if you'd killed me at age 24 if I died then, my legacy would have been so one-dimensional. Like, I grew so much in the next six years now that I'm unrecognizable. And I really just wish that Big L had that opportunity. And it's sad that he didn't. And I want you all to recognize that the man was a fucking, as Charlie said, a superstar talent. And it was way more than just killing MCs on a track like he had so much more growth and evolution in him and there were other realms he had his own record label he's going to sign to Rockefeller and it was just taken away from him and and that's really sad and superstar man always it will always be a superstar and you know I get sad that we just didn't get more product like I don't know it's just it's just a sad situation so um 
rest in peace mm-hmm. to Big L. And uh, please go do some listening. If you haven't listened to anything but his debut album, go do some listening and yeah, check it out. Especially Abonics. If you never listened to Abonics, go check that out. Yeah, for sure. Um, damn, I just realized that I'm 24. <laughs> I ain't dying. You got yet, a lot bro. of growing, Charlie. Right now. You, got, you got a lot of growing, Charlie. You're I got be stuff a, to do. A different person. <laughs> stuff to do, man. Fuck that shit. Fuck growing. I just got stuff to do, fam. <laughs> get this shit out of my That's head. True. It's I true. need to get everything out of my head right now. I need to bleed out of my head right now. Anyway. Um, all right, so we're hopping right into Online No Challenge. And uh, this week is live acts so ask ben to name five acts um hip-hop or otherwise i've done if you've kept it just hip-hop but hip-hop or otherwise um that you haven't seen yet and you want to see for the first time go uh so i i just read it i've obviously read it but i didn't prepare it because i wanted to kind of do it off the cuff the biggest one look i've seen jay-z live but it was garbage i saw him open for u2 <laughs> in like 2000 and whenever it was and it was a windy day in a massive stadium, and it was trash. I could barely hear him. The sound system sucked. I was about fucking 400 meters away from him. It's like he would. I could see on this big screen that his mouth would move, and then eight seconds later, I would hear the words on the sound system because of the speed of sound. I was that far away. Sounds like I'll record like, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, physics was not 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 with me that day. So I would love to see Jay Z in a proper fucking show like those B side concerts, bro. Nah, I could have died. Then I could have died if I'd gone to one of those B sides. I'm done. I'm fine. I'm I'm chill. I'll, I'll go. I'll walk outside and be like, all right. I'll walk off the edge of the earth. I'm happy because they would have just soothed my fucking soul. So. A proper Jay-Z concert live, not some bullshit opening for you 2 who were garbage as well, man. They they didn't even play the sweetest thing. I'm sitting there, and I waited all the way to the end of the night, and they didn't play it. And I'm like, the fuck did I come here for? You guys got to relax, man. Stop putting your album in our phones and shit. But anyway, so Jay-Z would be number one. I'm trying to think that they're all going to be hip-hop because artists don't come down here very often. Artists just don't come down here very often. I've wanted to see Kanye West so badly. I think that would be an incredible show. Maybe not so much now. I I, I just think his energy now. I just think his energy would just be insane. Um, I would love to see him. You know who I really did want to see is Tyler, the creator, back in his odd future days. Like that energy Mm. and that insanity in those concerts would have just been unbelievable. Like I really... And a lot of the reason why I didn't go and see these artists when they were in Australia is just because none of my friends listen to hip-hop. And I'm not against going to a concert by myself. I've done it a few times, but I'm not a massive fan of it, to be honest. It's like, especially if you're going to see an artist who has that kind of energy and that vibe, you really want to experience it with someone. And uh, yeah, I just didn't have anyone to go with, so I didn't go. So that's three, Tyler, of future. I would love to see Travis. I have this thing where I really like I like concerts where they've clearly spent a shitload of money on the production values. Yeah. I don't mind like dingy kind of like let's go to the pub and listen to like some grunge rock band. I really like that. Like I saw Cloud Nothings and they were incredible. I've seen a lot of local Australian acts in just pubs and they were really great. But the thing that I really like, um, it was actually Pink that really got me onto this. I saw Pink 
way back in like 07, 06. And uh, that concert was just insanity. The amount of money they spent on that production. I mean, she was like suspended above us 50 meters in a fucking ribbon singing. I was like, this is insane. I need to see way more of this. This is a spectacle. And I think that uh, Travis's show would just be that. It would be a spectacle. And that's why I would rather see him than Drake because I don't know that Drake's concert would be... I've seen, I've seen like videos of it and it just doesn't look like a bigger spectacle as a, as a Travis concert. And uh, number five, I want to see one of those fucking gods of rap things man like i want to be in the uk when that shit goes out like like what the fuck what the actual fuck okay fuck you off the rip because that's not fair it's not fair charlie it's not fucking fair because i don't ever get to i never get the opportunity to see that shit and you just come in and it's like hey i saw rakim and about 12 other legends the other day and i'm like well fuck you then Fuck you. I don't even think Rakim can spell Australia. Like, you don't even think he oh, knows shit. we exist down yeah. here. So that's bullshit. And I just wish we're never going to get it in this country. I mean, so that's that's what I would be desperate to see. Some sort of like... And that's the thing. If, you, if I lived in America, these concerts don't even cost that much. Because for some goddamn reason, we don't respect our elders in hip-hop. Like in, in rock music... Fucking Rolling Stones come to Australia, charge $150 a ticket. How is that possible? They're, I don't even think half of them are alive. They're just reanimated corpses on stage. But you're still paying $150. But you go to America and you watch these legends and they're like 20 bucks for a ticket. It's like, what the fuck? I need to move to... Oh, I don't want to move to America because it's a shit show right now. But like, that's the thing. And I would love to see some sort of super group... Like concert, Faramonch. Like Faramonch is at this shit. Like that's wild. Imagine Ooh. Simon Says just going, do 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 do. Like live. Oh fuck, yeah. man, that shit would just take that vibrate list, in my. Oh fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. We can't. This is my bucket list is is a fucking. I don't know what it is now. It's a container truck list. Oh. It's it's never gonna get ticked <laughs> off. It's crazy. So that's my would be my fifth. Just Gosh. one of those ridiculous Avengers Assemble concerts that fucking yeah. London seems to get. Lucky London. <laughs> it wasn't Rakim. I haven't seen Rakim. He doesn't fly. So you have Apologies. to go to America for Rakim. Apologies. Um, yeah, but uh, no, honestly, bro, that was like a one in a million show. And I, I'm completely like, I said that to my boy, Tyler, who I went with. I was like, this is, we need to go to this. This is literally one in a million. This will never happen again. Um, it was there was like Wasn't the second one supposed to happen this too? year. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there was supposed to be another one this year. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, that, that was yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was thinking like I was thinking like the stuff you were talking about. I was thinking Jay, but I was like, yeah, but that's going to be an arena, and he's just going to be walking about. I'm just like, that's nah, not it really. It's not for me. Like, if it was, like, in, a, a, like, a few hundred um, place, like a Brixton Academy or something like that, I might mess with it. But if I'm just going to have Jay-Z just walking around the biggest stage of all time, I'm just going to be like, nah, I'm not I'm, I'm cool on that. Um, Kanye, while I understand, like, I just... Uh, uh, the people around me will just be insufferable and they'll just annoy me, so I'm just going to be like, nah, on that. Um, so, with that said, um, first three, uh, Tribal Quest... I need to see Tribal Quest. Um, that's just, that's, yeah, that's just, that just needs to happen. 
like pound for pound, I listen to Tribal Quest more than uh, like apart from maybe Kendrick and Little Sims. It's like Tribal Quest just below them. Um, I've seen those two anyway, so that's out the window. Uh, who else? Yeah, I need to see Nas. I need to see Nas. I need to see Nas live. I had a mm. chance in Croydon, like I think last year or two years ago, and I missed it, and I was pissed. I was just ah, I got sold out real quick, and I was like, fuck, missed that one. I, was, I, I, I need that needs to happen to me. Um, who else? I'm looking down this list, and I, I had I should have I should have wrote them down while you were talking because <laughs> I need to look them up again. <laughs> oh fuck. Um, that's fine. I'll, I'll just edit this. Doesn't matter. Uh, Dizzy Rascal. Need to see Dizzy Rascal live. That, that energy. Oh, that'd be wild. Nutty. Need to see that. Like, I just, I just need to see him do the classics and the new shit as well. I just, uh, that'll be such a great, like, hour and a half. Um, I need to see Damien Marley live. I, I just, uh, I just love to, like, just be at one of his shows. Just, like, just a mad stench of weed and just fucking vibe into him. Like, that'd be, uh, that'd be elite. Absolutely elite. Um, how many have I named? <laughs> so it's like one, two, three. I think three. Um, anyway, uh, the roots. I would. I, I've just. I've just heard really good things about like root roots concerts. Like I've just heard really good testimonials from other people, and I feel like that'd be just a really good show to go to, just for like live instrumentation. Black Thought doing some freestyles. Maybe we'll get some. You know, some uh, some people coming through. You know, obviously they do the Roots Picnic and they have, like, friends coming in as well. So that would be fire. Definitely up for that. Um, so how many have I named? I think I've named four. So uh, who's the fifth? Who is the fifth? I'm trying to keep it hip-hop um, and not cop out and just, like, say a jazz act because that will just be a bit too easy. <laughs> oh, Anderson Pack. I need to see Anderson Pack, bro. Like, I've I've missed Anderson Pack like three times now, and it's pissing me off. Like he's so fucking elusive to me. Every time he announces a tour or whatever, or I see him at a show. Um, I just either don't have the money for it, or it just can't happen for me. It's just not in the cards. Like a, a friend of mine actually had tickets um, to see him because he did that. Um, like him and Dre were in London for like one night only. Um, like I think it was like for an Apple thing, like an Apple promotional thing. And uh, he said he couldn't go, and he was gonna give the ticket to me. Um, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" And then I asked, like, "Wait, what if they ID me?" <laughs> so obviously, that went out the window. I was I was so close. I was just about to take that shit, and he sent it to me. And I was just like, "Wait, you're gonna have to ID me, bro." Oh, fuck, I'll go then, cause I'm not you. Fuck. Um, so yeah, that, I've missed out on Anderson Pack so many times. So uh, yeah, so what's uh, so what's that? Anderson Pack Roots. Nas, Damien, and uh, who's the fifth? <laughs> I've, I've, uh, uh, fuck, I've completely missed out on the fifth, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, you, you heard it, you heard me. Um, so yeah, uh, there's so there's so many others I could I could have named, and we we could we we could have gone into dead people as well. That would have been so much different as well. That top five could have been so much different. But we'll leave it at that. Top, that so, top five would be wild. Yeah. Yeah, if we do dead people, we'd be here all night. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, from, from the Fifth Element Podcast Network, has been Digging Digits. I've been Charlie Taylor, the Fifth Element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We have no idea what we're doing next week. Bun yourself. We'll do that some other time. <laughs> Can't be asked. It's nearly midnight. I just want to get the shit edited. <laughs> so, go to sleep, bro. Hope you all, I understand. Hope you all have a good week. You should always try to do the same. But until the next time. It will be heat regardless. 
Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Up Records for the ability to use. Socials for Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Up Records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits. Oh, 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 oh,